on this week's episode of Let's Talk About It. We're going to give our review of the hit Apple TV Plus series, Severance. The show covers a lot of topics. One of the main ones is work-life balance. You're going to hear us talk about the things that we liked and why we think you should watch this show. And in our relationship segment, we're talking about making friends specifically at work. We've heard many people say about work, I'm not here to make no friends. But what can lead people to get to that point? We'll discuss. You're here. You joined us. Let's talk about it. Hello there, and welcome to this episode, the latest episode of Let's Talk About It. My name is Malcolm Morgan. And I'm Micah Morgan. And we're so glad that you're here joining us. Big shout out to our listeners. You guys, just keep us going. Yeah. Keep us going. You make us feel special and stuff. We love it. We love it. How are you doing, my love? Oh, you know, just dragging myself along one several feet at a time how about you several feet at a time <laughs> how are you doing several feet? Not, i thought you'd have to go one foot at a time i just you know my wingspan is a lot lar- longer than people expect oh that's what that is <laughs> <laughs> well how I don't, are you <laughs> i am just shocked by this new information that i'm gaining i mean I you weren't supposed you to ask explain. follow-up questions I'm that not, was the issue sorry. i apologize <laughs> That's my fault. Yes. Thank you for taking responsibility. <laughs> now everybody's confused because you were curious. Yes. So guys, <laughs> this has been a much anticipated episode, at least for us. We've been wanting to talk about severance. For since like we watched 27 it. years. Yes. yes. <laughs> we were figuring out how, what we were going to talk about this series, this uh, season of the show. This was definitely an episode that we did not want to miss. Nope. So we brought it back. We we swung back and we were like, you know what? Even if 15 years passed, we were going to make sure that we talked about Apple TV Plus's severance. Absolutely. So if you have not watched it, this is your spoiler alert. We will spoil the show. We're not even going to try to, to nope. hide it. Nope. Um, if you don't have Apple TV Plus, I don't know what to tell you. There's some good <laughs> stuff on there. Severances, just the latest. <laughs> just no compassion. Just, no compassion. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. You missed out. I'm sure there's a. Well, I guess Apple has really made it so you can't share that account. Yeah, you'd have to share your whole Apple account. Yep. Wow, that yeah. takes a lot of trust. So if you're someone who has someone who trust that you trust that much, mm-hmm. or who trusts you that much, then you can <laughs> use their Apple Plus account and buy as many movies as, as you would like. To Yikes. Do. Um. All right. So severance. In a nutshell, this is a very short uh, review. It's about uh, this company, Lumen, who um, invites co- uh, excuse me, employees on a certain floor working mm-hmm. in certain departments mm-hmm. to participate in a procedure called severance. And what this does is it literally separates your work and your home life. When, you at, when you're at home, you don't know about anything that happens at work. And when you're at work, you don't know about anything that happens at home. Mm-hmm. What happens is you go, 
you, for example, when you're coming into work, you come in, you get your badge, you go into the elevator, and by the time you get into the elevator, your work self has kicked in. And your home self is gone. And your home self is gone. <laughs> um, so it's a really, I mean, to start off with, it's a really interesting play on the work-life balance, especially in, in the middle of a pandemic um, that we've mm. just experienced where people are working from home and, mm-hmm. and those lines have blurred so much. We see a very clear definition of work and home life here. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see a couple different things at play. You see people that are trying to separate from things, from traumatic things in their past. Um, and you're also seeing people that seem to have some other motivations or agendas. <laughs> political or otherwise as to why they're doing this and so there are a couple of or maybe a few characters that we should know about Mm -hmm. right main two main characters are mark s Mm -hmm. who is uh the supervisor newly appointed supervisor Mm -hmm. on the severed floor and then we also have heli but i think they're calling her heli r heli r heli r but we later find out that her last name is probably egan it is egan yes yes heli r has been newly hired onto the floor and she is quite the rambunctious type <laughs> <laughs> she is not fully on board at all um and has gone to great lengths to make sure that everyone knows that she does not want to be employed on the severed floor um she threatens to cut off her hand, um, and there are other lengths that she goes to as well. We also have Dylan, who is my favorite character. He's he's so great. He is hilarious. Um, the only black gentleman on the floor, other than I guess the other leadership team member, Milchik. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dylan is one of the office team members, and he's really your comedic relief. He's going to make sure uh, you get a good laugh. He is at work clearly for the perks. <laughs> he wants every uh, party, every, every favor, every whatever he can get. He's yep. there for the perks. And what I appreciate is the sheer absurdity of the prizes that he is staying late to work for, which include uh, what are those um, finger, finger traps? Finger traps. Yes. A waffle party. Yes. And wasn't there like a a portrait of himself or something that was also a a prize? Some sort of portrait. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. But he he goes he goes hard for yeah. these prizes, which is really interesting because none of these things, obviously, if your life is severed, they don't make it home. They're no. just no to have in the office. Yep. For all the people that already know about your accomplishments. <laughs> and see. especially for Dylan, because he has announced every last one of his accomplishments. <laughs> his ego fills the entire floor. Um, and finally, we have Irving that is a part of this uh, four-piece work team mm-hmm. under Mark S. And Irving is, hmm, we'll call him the the passionate artist. He is very passionate about working on the severed floor and working um, for Lumen and working for Lumen yes. specifically. Um, and there's also another element of his character that's very interesting because he um, there's kind of this religion uh, mm-hmm. under subplot mm-hmm. situation. And the religion is essentially the worship of the founder of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but Irving has taken it to the extreme. Yeah. He's memorized the employee manual and recites 
uh, portions of it as scripture. Yes. <laughs> and there's another department in the company that actually develops art based on the uh, manual. the manual. Mm-hmm. And Irving is just passionately almost drawn to tears by every last one of these pieces of art. So Irving is very interesting. Irving is that coworker that comes into the office and reminds you of the rules that you're breaking. Oh, mercy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Karen, that, that Karen that comes to the office and is like... You know you're not supposed to have our coffee cups without coasters on our, on our desks. Right? <laughs> and it's specifically with that tone. Yes. Like, there's some folks who will gently, like, lean over to you and discreetly be like, hey, sis, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Mm-hmm. But this brand of, <laughs> of reminding <laughs> is not the kind you look forward to. So yes. that is Irving. Um, but just a very interesting uh, kind of interplay of characters. Mm-hmm. Over Mark S., of course, is uh, Miss Cobell. And I don't, I guess she's like, would she be like director level management? Yeah, it's unclear how they relate to the rest of the company. Right. Um, But she is clearly the senior leader, Mm -hmm. at least of the floor, of the severed floor. Um, You know, Lumen is very, very tight-lipped about how the work that they actually do and how that works with what the rest of the company is doing, even beyond the severed floor. The work is mysterious and important. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That is hope, how they describe it. I hope it. they print a book like with just all of the sayings that we can just read at some point. Oh, they have to. I, I really hope that happens. It's required. <laughs> yeah. But Miss Cobell is, um, it seems, one of few people who aren't severed. So mm-hmm. they don't have the chip in their brain that separates their work self from their home self. Right. So there's some interesting um, kind of mystery subplots with her because she's able to navigate both worlds uh, being aware of who Mark S is, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems at some point that she's following him or surveilling him or whatever that involves. So mm-hmm. we're still waiting to find out, even after the season finale, what she's up to. Yeah. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the visuals that we see in this show. Oh, my I mean, it's really striking the choices that they made visually in this show and the shots that they made. Ben Stiller is uh, one of the directors for the show. Um, and just the choices that they made. I mean, even when you look at, when you go into the office, it's very bright. It seems almost hyper-realistic. And then when Mm -hmm. you go into the real world, it's very dark and muted. Yeah, the colors almost bleed into each other. And so it makes you really think about what is the real, what is real, what is reality? Is work the reality? Is their home life the reality? And you kind of see this interesting um interplay of how they use colors a lot in the show as well i think there's even a a, i almost used a word without checking to see if it's a word um the the way that they visually um shape the work world it seems sterile Mm, Um, there's a lot of open spaces it reminds me of like a newly remodeled hospital Mm. um and so even on on the work floor, like in the in the actual workspace that uh, Helly Irving, Dylan and Mark S share, there's just this expansive green carpet mm-hmm. under like, I mean, has to be like 
almost a thousand square feet of fluorescent mm-hmm. lights. Yeah. And it's just those four cubicles <laughs> in the center of the room. <laughs> and it's just this ocean of green carpet around them. And yeah. so anytime you watch the characters interact on the work floor, you have no choice, but like your eyes are drawn into them. There's nothing else to focus on. There's no decoration. There's no plants. Mm -hmm. There's no other furniture. Yeah. There's a break room, but it's closed off. You can't see the break room from the main office floor. And then even when you leave that their area of the floor, it's white walls, white floor, white ceiling. Mm hmm. It's interesting that the the workspace is open, but all of the walkways are extremely narrow. Oh, I didn't pick up on that until you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just, I I really appreciate what Ben, and I I am so sorry if I butcher her name, but um, her last name is McArdle. Um, The two directors are really playing with space because you're in the workspace, right? And it's very open and expansive. You don't have a choice but to, you know, pay attention to the characters. But then when they're moving from room to room room in those really narrow hallways, Mm -hmm. you feel constricted just watching them. Um, And so there's like an anxiety that develops. Mm -hmm. And if I were a director, (laughs) I would intentionally do that to really kind of increase that angst that you feel as the audience watching them Mm -hmm. on the severed floor. It's just a really good use of space. Yeah. Which brings me to the music. Mm. I I remember, Malcolm, you started playing the uh, soundtrack. Uh, what was that, like last week or something? Mm-hmm. And it's so amazing how just listening to the music, I could remember some of the yeah. really angsty, anxious moments yeah. that the music was under. So, look, whoever scored this show is really doing well with making sure that the music... There's, there's like... Um, there is a, I guess, dance party mm-hmm. that Milchik, uh, I guess, rewards the the employees with. Mm-hmm. But even the music itself, it almost feels sarcastic. <laughs> like, well, like, it was it was called what was it, um, Rebel Jazz or something yep, like that. Yep. Um, you know, which is you know this company that is very much controlling what's happening <laughs> in this office exactly <laughs> exactly but here's this dance party where you get to you get to move however Let you want loose. <laughs> it's like no and then as soon as milchick well i guess might as well spoil this moment dylan ends this party by biting milchick <laughs> i'll let you watch the show to find out why and then milchick is like the dance party is over <laughs> Like as if we didn't already know. As if we didn't already know that this was limited. <laughs> as if he was giving this abundant gift. So, so there's just there's moments like that that really, um, really play with how much freedom that the employees have, right? So in, in the office space, it's very expansive, but you almost feel constricted in a sense because there's only four people to look at ever. Yeah. And then in the hallway, they're so narrow. There's that feeling of claustrophobia there. Mm-hmm. It's just very interesting how space and music are being used to yeah. kind of play with freedom. I think music is something that's really underrated in, in TV and film because it not only affects you know what you hear, but it affects how things feel, the pacing of it. Mm-hmm. It gives, you know, when, you're, when they're outside of Lumen and in what they call their, their innies, the pace seems much slower, but the music and the and the the coloring and everything makes everything seem much faster mm-hmm. and a little bit more frantic inside the office. That's a good word, yeah. Because even all the music that is played, 
um, underneath the scenes in the on the work floor, mm-hmm. all are played in the higher register. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of space between the notes. So it's yeah. just very like, yeah, frantic, I think, is a is a perfect word for that. Yeah. So just, man, really great use of the senses for this show. If you're someone who just loves getting kind of consumed by the sensory experience of cinema, Severance is where it's at. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the one of the things that gets played with a lot in this show is who are people and who are not and Ooh. how are they treated in this space. Man. Um, you know, it's if you really literally think about splitting your your in your work self and your in your home self, I think the natural inclination would be, oh, the the home person, the the person at home is who I really am. Mm, mm-hmm. But can those two things really be effectively separated? You still be a complete person. I mean, philosophers have been trying to answer this question <laughs> for millennia. You know, uh, wait, maybe not millennia, hundreds of years for a long time, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I mean, you know, I spent a lot of money on going to school for an undergrad in philosophy. Um, No, I don't think it was a good idea at this point. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) I did enjoy it because I, you know, the the conversations and exploring how critical thought has evolved over time was Mm -hmm. really fun. Uh, But there was an English philosopher from the 1600s, John Locke, that a lot of people are familiar with, who said, deciding whether a person is a person is based on how much of their consciousness they're aware of. Mm. And I couldn't help but like think about that as I was watching this show, because there was this, this kind of another subplot of activists in the show who are trying to, I guess, I guess get legislation passed so that Lumen can't sever people anymore. Mm -hmm. And their argument was, these people are people, yeah. even though they don't have access to all of the memories from, you know, the home life. Yeah. They're still people. But of course, Lumen's argument was, no, this person who works on the floor from nine to five is not a full person because they don't have full access to all of their consciousness yep. and memories. So it's a really interest, it's interesting conversation about personhood itself. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, dang, if I just... I mean, but but this is real, too. Like, there mm-hmm. are folks who have traumatic brain injuries, folks that, you know, have amnesia that, yeah. are, I mean, we wouldn't dare claim that they're not a full person mm-hmm. because they lost their memory. So just really, like, stark commentary. There. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to make decisions about who and what is a person, then that affects how we treat people. And if you look at, if you're looking at people inside mm-hmm. the workplace in these, in this severed scenario as not people. Yikes. So what limits are you willing to push to get done what you're trying to get done in the office? Which, perfect segue, I think is what they are playing with with Gemma. Mm, yeah. Because, comma, no, there's no comma after that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't know. Okay, so Gemma, just to spoil some more of it for you, is Mark's wife who... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I got. I got. I got the characters confused. Yes. So, um, according to Mark's Audi memory, Gemma passed away. You know, a couple years ago or so. Mm-hmm. But we start seeing Gemma pop up a couple of episodes in on the work, the severed work floor. Mm-hmm. But they don't. They don't recognize each other. You know, they don't remember each other's Audi names, so mm-hmm. to speak. But toward the end of the uh, of the season. 
you get this you get this hint that Gemma's not there the way everyone else is there mm-hmm. because they send her quote back to the testing floor. Yeah. And so it really makes you think that like, oh my goodness, did they like revive Gemma mm-hmm. off of the ground after she was in this accident and then put her on this work floor against her will mm-hmm. and use the argument that she's not a full person to justify it? Yes. Like bro. Yeah. And then the other way this comes up is Heli R, her work oh. self. I don't know, do they have do they call them Audis or do they just Yeah, they okay. call the the out yeah, the home selves uh, Audis, uh-huh. work selves innies. So the the work self is not about the severed life. She hates it. She wants out immediately and so she keeps putting in resignation requests and her uh home self is like no. And so eventually Oof. she's she's able to force her way to get a video to her to her uh work self <laughs> and her work self sends her back a video and say basically saying you're not a person. I am the person. Verbatim actually. And you will continue to work here. And she looks at the camera and says, your resignation re- resignation request is denied. End scene. <laughs> like, bro, you going to look me in my face and tell me I'm not a person, though, for real? And so Heli begins to have this understandably existential crisis mm-hmm. because she's like, I just looked myself in the face and told myself I'm not a real person. Yeah. Like, that's wild to me. Yeah. But... If you think about it, Lumen has shaped this argument, right, to Mm -hmm. the public that, no, these aren't, you know, these aren't real people. You're the real person. (laughs) But it's like Heli R, you know, as her any self, she is in agony every day. She hates going to this workplace. So obviously she's having a real human experience. But you've got people who just decided that she's not. Mm -hmm. Like, man, that's rough. Very rough. What else? Yeah, I think the other thing to to look is that you talked about a little bit is that undercurrent of, um, like pseudo religious cultish philosophy that keeps coming up, Mm -hmm. um, kind of randomly too, because they keep kind of talking about the manual and keep talking about these sayings, but we don't see the source of it. Mm -hmm. So they have this this area called the um, shoot, what's the floor called? Oh, I cannot remember. It's in the basement. Perpetuity. It's the perpetuity wing, which is kind of a shrine to the founders, the founding family of this company. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I think the current CEO's name is Keir. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of deified and almost deified in this space. Well, is he the current one or was he the founder? I think he was the founder. It's hard. It's hard to tell. Yeah. I can't remember. But this family. Uh, the Egans are the the first founding family of Lumen. <laughs> and so they're kind of like, especially with Irving, I think Irving really buys into the mythology of, of what this family is. And so it's interesting that if you don't have a recognition of what's happening on the outside world, you have to create something bigger than mm-hmm. than yourself in order to really ground yourself in this company mm-hmm. <laughs> and really believe in what you're doing. It's It's really intriguing as well because I, I cannot remember who this who this quote is by and I might be butchering it but I've heard it said that um, humanity will always create God in some form mm-hmm. and so it's it's this really interesting commentary on if if there isn't kind of a, a larger than life spirituality that is handed to people will they just like you said just create that meaning for themselves yeah. even if it's 
kind of absurd. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, I mean, there's there's moment. I, I'm thinking of a moment from the show where um, uh, a former employee named Pete. It's discovered that he was kind of drawing maps mm-hmm. of the you know workplace mm-hmm. secretly, and when they discover it. Um, you know, Dylan and Irving, of course, are like, oh, we have to report this. And, you know, Mark S. casually explains to Helly that the reason that they have to report it is because Kier said, do not render my creation miniature. <laughs> like, what, bro? It's like, such a ridiculous thing. Who says that? <laughs> like, you just you just founded a company, sir. Folks are going to render your creation miniature. Okay. Mm. But this was this, like, really sacred yeah. thing. Like, that they thought they could potentially get killed for doing. And I think this is a play on a lot of times um, companies that have an overinflated idea of their importance. Yikes. I worked for a company that shall remain nameless that <laughs> that worked in landscaping and snow removal. And they're like inspiring people through. Mm. I was like, y'all, we are just mowing lawn. And sh- nobody is going yeah. to the bank and going, you know what? I'm going to live a better life because the way this these this grass is mowed. Okay, no, but for real, if you do see a well manicured lawn, you don't feel a little, you don't feel no, a little something in your not a little bit. Oh, okay, maybe if I, I see do. a terribly manicured lawn, <laughs> then I might have some conversation. But it should look good. I get opinion. moved by some good mowing lawns. I mean, you know, your company might have had something there. <laughs> but I think they're playing on this is that they, if you have these severed people inside the office that have no context for anything else, Yikes. then what you're doing creating this this almost these gods and mm-hmm. worship like and cult like things don't seem so strange no you gotta have something yeah <laughs> like <laughs> look man i gotta come on in under these fluorescent lights every day i don't remember nothing else from outside sure we'll worship here why not <laughs> she said sarcastically <laughs> so the funny thing that one of the funny things that I, we were when we were talking about doing this that i brought up um <laughs> Um, was, you know, you talk about the, the ethics of this. Is the company right to allow this to happen to people for them to sever themselves from their work, Yikes. their work and home lives? But I think one of the funny things is that really the company is, is right to do this because as soon as people became aware of the outside world, aware of little <laughs> things about themselves, productivity went to a screeching halt. Okay. Is right the right word though? <laughs> they are they have a they have a point they have a point let's go with that they do have a point because as soon as people started true as soon as um as soon as dylan you know so there's a scene where dylan um he he takes was it a map or something yes and he hides it in the bathroom but milchek thinks he takes it home Mm -hmm. so milchek um does the overtime protocol which basically means they can wake somebody up at home Mm -hmm. and so he wakes him up at home and asks him about the thing and he's like oh no i left it at the office and when and while milchek's talking to him his son walks in so his work dylan is meeting his son who he's never met and is not aware of nope and as soon as that happens dylan changes his focus (laughs) completely changes yeah he is not incentive dylan anymore all he can think about is what's happening at home Mm -hmm. who's his son does he have more kids does he have a wife yep What's his name? Milchek won't tell him his name. And he's just like, I need to know his name. Can you just tell me his name? And so, you know, <laughs> whether it's right or wrong. For all intents and purposes. They kind of got a point because as soon as y'all started finding out about stuff, y'all was like, what work? What, right. wait, what now? Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
They, ha- I mean, yeah, they have a point. <laughs> the other thing, too, I'm really intrigued by is when we start seeing the black sludge mm. come through the ceiling. So Irving is... I mean, there's a few scenes where he's just kind of working, minding his business, and you can see him imagining that there's some black sludge mm-hmm. kind of falling from the from the building, or from the ceiling, rather. Mm-hmm. And the therapist in me, knowing that Irving is also um, a veteran of the armed forces, mm-hmm. I'm like, bro, that's trauma. Yep. PTSD coming through the walls, just, literally. Just oozing <laughs> from the ceiling. And so it's interesting that even though Lumen has a point, I don't think their procedure is working because you haven't been able to fully separate the way that the body processes, mm. uh, you know, external experiences like trauma. Yeah. And so, well, I guess trauma is technically an internal experience in response to an external experience. But it's very interesting because it shows you that the body and the mind are much more connected than perhaps we want to believe because Irving of course has no memory of whatever traumas he survived mm-hmm. as a, as a veteran, but his body through this kind of psychosis yeah. is bringing this to his memory now. Yeah. So that, that has been really, I'm interested to see where they take that. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we, that we talked about on our second watch of the show is, you know, they can sever the memories, but the memories still have to go somewhere. Mm. The brain is not really made to partition itself in that way to where oh if we just separate these two things then everything could just healthily live like no there's gonna be some places where it's gonna bleed over Mm -hmm. and so those memories those traumas still live in there how do they manifest themselves exactly on the other side is the question Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very interesting so i think it's pretty safe to say that we strongly endorse this show oh no i think it's terrible don't go see it (laughs) (laughs) no this y'all this show we have watched it twice through that is how good it is so please again if if somebody trusts you enough to give their whole apple id to you (laughs) take them up on that offer because this is good yes we we were only able to touch on a little bit of the things in this show um so we did leave some things for you but there's some there's some crazy stuff that you're gonna see some crazy things that you're gonna experience (laughs) and they did leave us on an incredible cliffhanger oh my goodness uh season two is about to be nuts it's about to be nuts i'm upset you have to wait like 27 years to 27 years it feels like it (laughs) (laughs) so with all of that being said i'm gonna do this real hard pivot right here one of the funniest things to me is how passionate Helly R is about not becoming friends with Mark S. Absolutely. Like, it's it's painful the ways that she rejects this man. Yes. And he's just he's just trying to be a supportive boss, you know? And so of course, as we're watching this, we're like, huh, Helly's obviously not here to make friends. <laughs> she mm-hmm. did not she did not come to work to make friends. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be interesting to kind of talk about this on the show in terms of are you someone who comes to work to make friends? And if so, why? If not, why not? Mm. So how about you, Malcolm? You come to work to to make friends? So this is a nuanced and, um, (laughs) it's complicated. It's complicated. Uh, I think it, for me, it depends on the workplace. It depends on Hmm. where does this workplace sit in my heart? Cause I've been places where look, (laughs) I'm just trying to fold I'm these shirts. I'm just trying to clock in and clock out. 
I don't want to no rah rah rah. I don't want to hang out and chill. Like <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to like get through this mm. so I can go back to doing the things that I really want to do. That's real. And there have been other places where it was pretty bad, and the only way to make it through was to have some relationships. Yikes! And then some of those people, after you leave that job, you never talk to again. Yeah. And there's sometimes you. You all have trauma together, and that has bonded you together. I have some friends from a place that I work, and we text each other every once in a while and just talk about the old days and talk about how much better we're feeling now. (laughs) But by and large, my friends do not come from work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also work from home now, so I guess that's not really an option right now. (laughs) I would hope not. (laughs) I mean, we have our dog, Rico. He's my friend, I think. I think so. I think. I don't know. He's pretty friendly. When there's son that he can lay in, I'm not really his friend anymore. I mean, I'm here sometimes too, bro. Sometimes. Yikes. Sometimes. Demoted. (laughs) Hmm. Am I here to make friends? I think for the most part, yes. (laughs) I come to work to make friends. And honestly, for me, I don't... I don't find my work as enjoyable if I don't have safe mm. relationships around me. Um, like I've been in a job where I really enjoyed the work itself, like brass tacks objectively, mm-hmm. but the workplace was so toxic mm. that I was like, I, I can't, I can't do this. Like yeah. my nervous system is on level 27 all the time. Oh yeah. I guess 27 is a significant number for me today. Just for that that one kind of um, squirrel moment right there. Wow. Because um, I've said it like four times. Um, <laughs> but for me, I really need to feel connected yeah. in order for me to really enjoy my work. Um, I did have, like when I first entered the workplace, this kind of I'm not here to make friends attitude. Mm-hmm. But then I quickly discovered mm-hmm. that that just does not make for a good experience. I think mine evolved over time. Mm-hmm. I think... Our work experience have been pretty different where I've had quite a few jobs in a, in a few different fields and not always having been able to leave those jobs on my own terms. Jobs seem very temporal to me. They're not usually a place where I put down roots and, oh, we're going to be here for a while. Like, no. Yeah. When the, when this company doesn't need me anymore, they'll get rid, get rid of me. And then if I've invested all of this energy, this emotional energy, relational energy into this place. Yeah. That's not going to serve me at all. So let's just keep it as Mm -hmm. business as possible. No, that's real. And I would imagine, you know, there's folks listening who are like, yep. Mm -hmm. Like, because I was just, man, I was just on Twitter today and somebody was saying that a coworker passed away Mm. and they found out about it today during a meeting. There was a minute of, I guess, collaborative shock. And then they continued on with that meeting. And it's like, wow. If that's not an indication of how replaceable that we are in the workplace, I don't know what is. And so, Mm. yeah, I don't blame you there. (laughs) So I do wonder, though, what else gets someone to that point, Mm. right, where they're like, no, I'm not here to make friends. I mean, it's definitely the universal message that capitalism sends (laughs) Mm -hmm. that you are a mere means to an end (laughs) and you will be replaced at a moment's notice. So that can definitely get someone to that point. But I mean, what do you think? Like what else gets someone to the point where they're like, well, not here for that. Well, I think 
I think a lot of it is how have we, how has that gone in the past? Like for some people, it can be a yeah. a backstabby, Crabs revengeful. A yeah, like people. I think people don't always come for a relationship for the right reasons. Yeah, that part. They want to get to know you they, and figure out your weaknesses. And I think we all have seen that TV show trope where a person comes to the office and the guy's like, if you need any help with thing, let me know. And if you have any ideas, run them by me first mm. and I'll, and I'll let you know and we, we can work together. Yikes. And then they run that idea by them. And that idea is then on a billboard somewhere. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, what's wild though. is like, I've been there. Like that's been done to me mm-hmm. and I'm still like, Oh my goodness, let's make friends. So I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just, I think it's a part of my personality to want to be connected, Mm -hmm. but I've definitely felt the pain of, you know, developing a a work friendship and thinking that it's genuine Mm -hmm. and it was really just, I was, I was just a resource Mm -hmm. and that, that stings. Yeah. And I think another thing is, I think we've all had those relationships that we thought were relationships and then when the job ended or one person left. They stop responding to text messages. Mm-hmm. You don't hear from them anymore. And then yeah. it's, that that can really hurt a person and be like, well, why am I even trying at mm-hmm. this point? Like, let's we friends when we here. But when this is over, right, it's over. Yeah. Those those things can definitely get someone there. Well, y'all, I don't know if we have any advice, any advice <laughs> to end with. I would just say, you know. Learn, learn thyself. <laughs> learn thyself. And uh, that and, sounds like a, a lumen <laughs> saying. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Do not render thyself miniature. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, if you're someone who you know needs that connection in order to feel you know uh, motivated at work, then that's legit, right? But if you're someone who's like, yeah, I I have rigid boundaries and I'm not here to make friends. No one's knocking that. You're not a bad person. You're just like I have to protect myself, and no, but also know your work environment. True, know your work true. environment. Like some places that will get you fired if you just come in there. Like, look, y'all, I ain't here to make friends. We just go do the job. And, okay, but wait though, like and, is that different than just being cordial? Like, have we been talking this this episode about actual like friendships, mm-hmm. or is that separate from like yeah, still go in and be cordial and respectful? Mm-hmm. But are you saying those are like one and the same? Um. I don't know if I'm separating those two things. Ah, okay. I don't know if I'm separating those two things. But I mean, I when you put it that way, I could see I could see somebody not being somebody saying I don't want to be friends but still Yeah, I've seen people like still that. integrating some some yeah. way socially. And I think that's the norm probably more mm-hmm. so than somebody coming in and saying, "Look, leave me alone. Don't don't nobody say nothing to me." But as a side note, the workplaces that are really bubbly mm-hmm. and you come in on the first day and mm-hmm. everyone's like wearing matching outfits and calling each other family. Mm-hmm. That just feels like a red flag to me. So I just want to speak to that, like just affirm that for folks who have been in that situation and mm-hmm. you felt something weird in your gut, like, yeah, you're not, it, wrong. You're not, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it is wise to say, like, if there's a culture in your workplace yeah. of... You know, doing a little bit of connecting during break or something like that. Like, definitely mm-hmm. watch for that because I know in in workplaces where that is the culture, they will they will try to you know snip snip fire folks who don't yeah you know kind of fit into that. I think one of the tricky things for me that I've experienced is that I don't 
you know, neither one of us drink, but specifically for me, I don't mm-hmm. drink. And so that's really a, a way that people at work socialize yeah. a lot is, oh, let's go get some drinks after work or let's meet up for drinks. And it's like, you can drink your little cranberry. I juice. can. But if you go going, if you're going to have a good time and <laughs> did you drive it? Right. And it's like, <laughs> it's just a different, yeah. it's a, it's a different experience experience it's not as enjoy it's like going to a it's like going to a house party where there's like 80 people in this little house and it's like oh no this would be a lot more fun if i was drunk but i am sober <laughs> and i am just being touched by people <laughs> and i don't really enjoy this. personal space personal space very well done on that analogy appreciate that so what do we talk about today micah well we talked about the life-changing show, Ooh. Severance. Uh, so once again, please go see it. Find a way. We highly recommend it. Do not think you will be disappointed. And then we did a nice awkward segue into talking about <laughs> whether you come to work to make friends and what exactly gets a person to the point of saying, nope, that's not me. Um, and so, of course, we ended with a little bit of wisdom that we hope is is helpful bit. for you as you continue to embark on your workplace self-discovery and so of course this is not where this conversation ends we would love to hear you continue to uh, talk about severance if you've seen it um, or talk about what it's been like for you to discover whether or not you want to make friends at work so make sure you head over to twitter and use the hashtag talk about it pod and we'll be on the lookout for your comments and your tweets and continue that conversation with you there. And we'd love to continue the conversation on social media. Michael, where can the people find you? On you social can media? find me at at J Marie Morgan on Twitter. And where can they find you? They can find me Mal- at Malcolm D.O.T. Media on Twitter and Instagram. Love to interact with people. And also... Whatever podcasting platform you are, please leave leave us a review. It's really helpful for our show. gives us more visibility and lets people know what to expect mm-hmm. when they are listening to the show. And once again, we want to shout out to all of our listeners. You guys, once again. Thank you. Thank you. Recharge our batteries. Keep the conversation going. We love, love, love you. Anything else we need to say to the folks today? Keep being beautiful people. Keep being. That's good. That's good. That's a t-shirt right there. <laughs> Keep being beautiful, people. I'm Malcolm Morgan. And I'm Micah Morgan. This has been Let's Talk About It, and we'll see you all next time.